Welcome to Animal Health Insights. This podcast was created to connect producers, veterinarians, and animal owners, and to introduce you to the people and the organizations who are working to support animal health in Canada. Our podcast is developed with the support of the Canadian Animal Health Surveillance System. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Todd. Let's get started. Antibiotics, which are one type of antimicrobial medication, are used in both veterinary and human medicine to treat and to prevent bacterial infections. Antimicrobial medications are classified based on the type of pathogen that they fight. For example, antibiotics are used against bacteria, antivirals against viruses, antifungals against fungal infections, and so on. The development of antimicrobial resistance has highlighted the use of antimicrobial medications in the human and in the veterinary worlds, leading to increased monitoring of antimicrobial use and dispensing practices, as well as surveillance of resistance to these types of medications. In recent years, veterinarians and producers around the world experienced many changes regarding how antimicrobials, specifically antibiotics, can be prescribed, dispensed, and used for management of farmed animal diseases. Dr. Mohamed Ruma, a veterinarian, microbiologist, and assistant professor at the Faculty of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Montréal, wanted to get a sense of how these changes have affected antimicrobial use and antimicrobial resistance in farm animals, and to provide an update on what we know right now regarding the role of farm animals in the spread of antimicrobial resistance to humans from a One Health perspective. To this end, he and his colleagues from the University of Montréal and from Ghent University in Belgium performed a review of the current state of knowledge on this topic, and the resulting paper was published in the journal Veterinary Sciences in September of 2022. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Ruma. Thank you very much for having me, Kate. So why did you feel it was important to update what is known right now about antimicrobial use in farm animals? Well, because... uh because several actions have been carried out in farm animals, especially over the past decade, to limit the spread of um, antimicrobial resistance bacteria and to preserve the efficacy of antimicrobial. And thereby, I felt it's necessary from my own perspective to evaluate the effect of these actions on antimicrobial use in farm animals in Canada and worldwide. And in addition, it has been perceived that food producing animals receive important quantity of antimicrobials that are not adapted to their needs. And I felt it's really necessary to clarify these stereotypes. And on the other hand, based on the last report of the Canadian Integrated Program for Antimicrobial Resistance Surveillance, the quantity of antimicrobial biomass adjusted uh, consumed by farm animals in Canada was only slightly higher than the quantity of antimicrobial drugs used for human. And in our article, we observed the same trend worldwide. And we believe that by banning and stopping the global use of growth promoter will likely bring the use of antimicrobial in livestock lower than in human. And in our article, we stressed the importance of considering this unit, this biomass of animal when estimating the antimicrobial use in farm animal 
in Canada and worldwide. Indeed, when the animal biomass was applied in the Canadian context, animal intended antimicrobial distribution was only 1.3 to 1.4 times that prescribed for a human. It certainly seems that that would be something important to clarify as we move forward. So could you give us a broad overview of just why antimicrobial medications are so important for animal health and welfare? Why might some of these types of medications be prescribed by veterinarian in the first place? Yes, very interesting question. In farm animals, antimicrobials are used to treat clinically sick animals, used also for prophylaxis purposes when they are given to healthy animals at risk of infection. Antimicrobials also used in farm animals for metaphylaxis purposes when they are uh, given to sick animal in the same group as healthy animal. And in some countries, several antimicrobials are still used for growth-promoting purposes when they are used as feed additives uh, in food-producing animals. And currently, in the absence of competitive alternative method that could replace the antibacterial activity of antimicrobial Antibiotics remain necessary tools for treating animals and improving their well-being. In Canada, for example, since December 1st, 2018, all important antimicrobials for human health, for example, class 1, class 2, and class 3 of Health Canada used in farm animals require a veterinary prescription to answer uh, the responsible use of this drug in animal production and to limit the antimicrobial resistance spread against these drugs. From my own perspective, I believe that it is important that these drugs uh, be prescribed by a veterinarian who is in the best position to determine the animal's need for such medication. Because not all disease in animal farm require antibiotic. For example, viral, parasitic, and nutritional disease do not require antimicrobial. And as I mentioned, veterinary uh, is in the best position to determine the animal need for this uh, medication. And how is antimicrobial treatment of livestock or farmed animals relevant to human medicine? Well, it's, it's important to highlight to answer your question, that antimicrobial families that are used in human are the same one used in animal, except for some uh, exception, such as carbapenems that are used only in human medicine. Moreover, certain uh, antimicrobial resistance bacteria circulate between human, animal, and the environment, while antimicrobial resistant gene can be found in all ecosystems. And the mechanism of antimicrobial resistance in bacteria in human and animal are the same. They share the same antimicrobial resistance mechanism, thereby there is a link between animal and human medicine regarding antimicrobial use as well as regarding antimicrobial resistance. 
Before we get really into the details of your work here, could you explain for our listeners what a review article is and how it differs from maybe primary investigative research? Well, a review article is an article that compiles a research result from several scientific publications, generally published in the last two to five years, where the author compare and analyze the result of this publication and draw conclusion while identifying specific gaps or problem and providing recommendation for future research. And compared to primary research, review articles are considered as secondary literature since they do not present new data from the other experimental work. And there are several types of review articles, such as narrative review, systematic review, and meta-analysis. And for your information, our paper is a narrative review that have no strict search strategy compared to the other type of review articles such as the systematic review and the meta-analysis. What then were some of the parameters that you set around the research papers that you reviewed in this article? Surely you couldn't have read everything that's out there on antimicrobial resistance. That would be impossible, I think. Are there some boundaries or limitations to this review paper that we should be aware of? Yes, I agree with you. It's impossible to read all scientific articles related to antimicrobial use and antimicrobial resistance in Canada and worldwide. It's impossible. And in our case, we started our work by the identification of the topic of interest. For example, in the case of our work was antimicrobial use in farm animal and the role of livestock in the spread of antimicrobial resistance to human. It was the first step in our work. Then we used a combination of keywords, for example, farm animal, antimicrobial use, antimicrobial resistance, human health, food safety, etc., to retrieve literature from the international online databases, such as PubMed, only for articles published in the last five years. And at this first step of our work, we retrieve 280 articles that were registered on EndNote database. Then a primary screening process was applied to the title, keywords, and abstract of all recovered scientific paper to verify their relevance to the topic of our review. And then a secondary screening process was used on the full papers. And finally, 103 scientific papers were included in the, the current review, considering our inclusion and exclusion criteria. We worked only on 103 scientific paper to publish our review in veterinary sciences. So what are some of the ways that you noticed researchers in these papers that you reviewed measure antimicrobial use? Are there standards for this type of assessment? Monitoring antimicrobial use in animal is generally not harmonized among the different countries worldwide. Therefore, the results that we found in the scientific literature are not always directly comparable. 
between uh, studies and between countries. Indeed, some countries used veterinary data, for example, invoices or prescription or antimicrobial cells data at the level of pharmaceutical company, while other countries used data on antimicrobial use collected directly from farms. And to overcome this situation and to harmonize the strategy used to collect antimicrobial use, the World Organization for Animal Health has developed standards for monitoring the quantity of antimicrobial used in food producing animal and in the aquatic sector. And those standards developed by the World Organization for Animal Health include recommendations regarding the sources of antimicrobial use data, for example, pharmaceutical company, importers, veterinarian or farmers. Include also the type of data that should be monitored for example, the weight of active ingredients, the dosage, the number of farm animal by species, and the option for reporting antimicrobial use data, for example, the total use by antimicrobial class, by animal species, and by route of administration. And I believe uh, the using of the standard for monitoring antimicrobial use will allow in the next few years to obtain results that are comparable between countries and that reflect also the real quantities used in the field and used in food producing animal. Did you find any updated information as to how antimicrobial use and resistance in animal populations relates to antimicrobial resistance developing in humans? The causal link between the use of antimicrobial in animal production and the selection of antimicrobial resistance bacteria and their genetic determinant in a human continue to be debated within the scientific community with a lot of uncertainty. For example, the withdrawal of cholestine. When we stopped using cholestine as a livestock growth promoter in several countries around the world, and this interdiction of using cholestine as a growth promoter was associated with a reduction in the prevalence of cholestine resistance bacteria and its resistant determinant. For example, the MCR1 gene in farm animal, in human and in the environment. And the success of reduction of antimicrobial resistance associated with cholestine is linked to the high fitness cost of cholestine resistance, for example, the MCR1. However, in other cases, the reduction of antimicrobial use in farm animal was not associated with a reduction on antimicrobial resistance in human, such as the case of beta-lactamases genes or other titracycline genes. And this situation, as you can see, indicates a complex causality involving the interaction of several other factors, such as the way antimicrobials are used on the farm, are these antimicrobials are used to treat animals for a prophylactic or a growth promoter proposals, the route of administration, the duration of antimicrobial use, the veterinary control at the farm level, the herd size and the level of biosecurity and sanitation on the farm level. 
And from an animal health and welfare perspective, a complete ban on all antimicrobial use is not advisable. And it has been shown that this is not required as long as the responsible use of this drug is respected at the farm level. We don't have to ban all antimicrobial use at the farm level when the responsible use of this drug is unshared. For example, when the five rights are respected, the five rights, the right drug at the right time, at the right dose for the right duration by the right route are respected. We don't have to ban all antimicrobial use at the farm level. What types of things did you find are being done to decrease antimicrobial use in farmed animals on a worldwide basis? A lot of actions that were carried out in farm animals to reduce antimicrobial use and these actions are presented mainly by the ban in several countries around the world of important antimicrobial for human health as growth promoter. And the significant reduction of antimicrobial use in animal feed and also the considerable improvement of biosecurity measures and the housing environment in farms. We found also the important use of vaccine to prevent several diseases and the significant reduction in the use of antimicrobial in, uh, for prophylaxis purposes. The new regulation also, we cannot forget this new regulation related to the use of antimicrobial in animal. The increased control of the quality of active pharmaceutical ingredient, the mandatory prescription of antimicrobial in food producing animal, the awareness campaign for farmers and other stakeholders of animal production, and also the use of alternatives to antibiotics, such as probiotics or prebiotics, etc. And the scientific research to develop a rapid bacteriological diagnostic tool that could help veterinary to take a quick decision for the treatment of animals. So if those are some of the things that are being done around the world, what types of things are being done here in Canada? Yes, all the actions that I have mentioned are being implemented in Canada with the addition of some animal sector initiative to reduce antimicrobial use. We have the example of the Canadian poultry industry that launched its antimicrobial use reduction strategy to limit antimicrobial resistance in the poultry sector in 2014. And the first goal of this program was the elimination of the preventive use of Health Canada Category 1 antimicrobial, including third-generation cephalosporin, such as ciftufir, and this goal was completed in 2014. Then the elimination of the preventive use of class two antimicrobial that was completed by the end of 2018. And the third phase will be the elimination of the preventive use of category three antimicrobial, such as bacitracine and tetracycline. And really the Canadian poultry industry put in place this elimination of the preventive use of antimicrobial. It was an example for the initiative to reduce antimicrobial use by the animal sector. So based on your review of these 
varied research papers, what work still needs to be done to decrease antimicrobial use and resistance in farmed animals? Well, as I mentioned, faced to this worrying context related to antimicrobial resistance crisis, several actions from a sustainable animal production perspective have been carried out in livestock in Canada and worldwide, especially over the past decade to limit the spread of antimicrobial resistance bacteria and also to preserve the efficacy of antimicrobial. However, very, very few studies have focused on the optimization of the dosage of antimicrobial in animal production to tackle antimicrobial resistance. And this, despite that the optimization of antimicrobial use and dosage in both human and animal health is one of the five objectives of the World Health Organization Global Action Plan on antimicrobial resistance. And in my own perspective, I think a lot of work that needs to be done in this area of the optimization of the dosage of antimicrobial use in farm animals. So that kind of gets into my next question, because I'd, I'd like you to tell me about some of the biggest light bulb moments you got from going through this literature review process. How is that big picture of antimicrobial resistance changing around the world, I guess, in a bit of a One Health context? And also in Canada, how do you see things changing there? Maybe the Kennedy example of safety of fear illustrating the success of the One Health intervention remain a worldwide source of inspiration. Indeed, in 2005 in Quebec, Canada, when hatcheries voluntarily withdrew the use of safety of fear, a third generation cephalosporin in OVO for a one year period, following which there was a high significant reduction in safety of fear resistance in E. coli and Salmonella isolate from both retail chicken and human isolate. And this case of safety of fear highlighted the relevance to having in Canada the Canadian integrated program for antimicrobial resistance surveillance. And the result of this program had inspired other countries to set up integrated program for antimicrobial resistance and antimicrobial use monitoring in both animal and human in order to establish guidelines for responsible use of antimicrobial based on evidence. Thank you very much for joining me, Dr. Ruma, and for going through this extensive literature process so that uh, all of us can have an up-to-date understanding of how antimicrobials are used and how resistance occurs in our farmed animal populations. Thank you very much for having me. For more information on your research and the many projects you reviewed here, we will share some links to your paper and your references on our website at cas.ca and on our podcast page. Thank you very much for joining me today. The Animal Health Insights Podcast is a production of the Canadian Animal Health Surveillance System. CAS is a division of Animal Health Canada, and it has broad-based support from livestock sectors and government. CAS brings together data and information from across Canada in order to demonstrate animal health and to guide planning on national animal health priorities. Effective disease surveillance can demonstrate the health of our animals, and it enables prompt action to minimize the negative impacts of disease. 
Funding is provided through the Agri-Assurance Program under the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, a federal-provincial territorial initiative.